Albert Camus, uh, his novel, The Plague, uh, the rock band R.E.M., uh, and their 1987 hit song, It's the End of the World as We Know It and I Feel Fine, the 1995 movie Outbreak, and 2011 movie Contagion, and Quarantine, uh, a mixed drink from the 1927 uh, Prohibition Home Bartender's Guide. Uh, these are all suggestions from an article I read this week of how to embrace this cultural moment rather than fight it. Uh, basically, it's all uh, entertain ourselves. Now, no doubt we're looking for ways to fight uh, the boredom, uh, to keep everybody busy, to deal with losses, and just generally how our lives have been upended by this coronavirus. And absolutely, books and songs, movies and beverages have their place. But still, with a, with a, a deadly virus spreading unchecked across the globe, um, that has no vaccine, no cure. Instead of merely looking for ways to entertain ourselves, I mean, shouldn't we be mindful of not missing our opportunity? And what would that be? The opportunity to find and to know God himself, who is revealing himself to us through his Son. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, Luke's gospel records for us uh, something rather unexpected. Uh, with a loud cheering crowd all around him, suddenly Jesus broke down weeping. Why? Well, because of missed opportunity. Israel failing to see that God was present among them and working for their good. Let's look at this from Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 19, beginning at verse 36. Here's the word of the Lord. As he, Jesus, rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. They will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. And he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold, saying to them, It is written, My house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. He was teaching daily in the temple. The chief priests and the scribes and the principal men of the people were seeking to destroy him. But they did not find anything they could do, for all the people were hanging on his words. Yeah, leaders don't weep. I mean, have you noticed 
we haven't seen pictures of presidents or, or world leaders weeping as they're talking about this coronavirus. Instead, we, we get pictures of them looking tough and resilient and courageous. Why? Because bravery instills hope. But here's Jesus. I mean, the, the most popular leader in Israel in his day, at, at the, the pinnacle of his popularity, and he publicly breaks down in tears. And this is not some tiny tear that is running down his cheek. It is a flood of tears. His heart is broken. But not because he's you know, at the end of the trail, the end of his life, and boy, it's been a sentimental journey, hasn't it? No, he's, he's weeping for people who have missed their opportunity, over, for people who don't get it, who don't know what makes for peace, and who now will face destruction. And he goes on to uh, prophesy about Jerusalem's destruction, which happened in history 40 years later. Well, how can Jesus... I mean, really say that, you know, looking over Jerusalem, they they don't know what makes for peace. I mean, everyone knows what makes for peace, and many people in the crowd knew that Jesus had something to do with their peace. I mean, there was a flood of food insecurity uh, in that that time uh, in people's lives, you know, people living hand to mouth. Well, Jesus could feed the masses with just a few loaves and fish. What makes for peace? Jesus stepping up as grocery king. Many people were sick. Peace is health care for all. If only Jesus would, would take the throne, become king, and step up his healing ministry. Still others understood the times. There was not going to be any peace with a bunch of Roman soldiers hanging around. Well, if Jesus could kick demons out of people... You know, then, then he could do his you know, Jedi master thing and kick these Romans out of Israel and thus make Israel number one again among the nations. I mean, if, if Jesus were king, oh, the things he could do for us. And Jesus weeps. In our day, what would make for Peace. Well, duh, you know, get rid of this coronavirus, uh, heal the sick, get back to work, fix the economy, restart baseball. You know, get us back to business as usual and all would be well. And I just wonder, does Jesus weep? You know, we miss our opportunity for peace when we exclude Jesus. But we also miss our opportunity for peace when we we use Jesus as kind of this Mr. Fix-It man just to fix the world, but according to our agenda, our liking, our bidding. You know, heal me of this disease, deliver me from that circumstance, bless this need in my life. Now, please hear me. Jesus does heal, deliver, and bless. And, And we're asking Jesus even now, have mercy on this world you know, stop the spread of this virus. But it's frighteningly easy for the heart to slip into demand mode and then into disappointment mode because Jesus didn't come through the way we wanted him to. He didn't save things the way we wanted him to save. 
uh, them to be saved. He, he didn't you know, zap my boss or my spouse or my kids the, you know, the way I thought that they should be zapped. People today are arguing, well, if God is so good and powerful, then why didn't he stop this coronavirus uh, from breaking out and, and ruining lives and economies? And in a way, I, I think that's a very fair question, if asked sincerely. But often, you know, it's, it's asked kind of with, with arms folded across the chest, with arrogance and unbelief. We ask, but are we willing to hear God's answer? Like from Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, my ways are not your ways, nor are my thoughts your thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And where we might complain, that's a non-answer. Actually, it may be that our hearts are hard. We are arrogant in demanding that God answer us, cater to our understanding and opinion of how he ought to be running this universe. And that is the entire problem. This is why Jesus is weeping. It's because of human arrogance Human agendas for how God must be God according to our liking or he can't be our God. This is where the religious leaders had landed with Jesus. Verse 47 tells us that the, uh, the chief priests, scribes, the principal men of the people were seeking to destroy him. And the word means to kill him. They wanted to kill him because Jesus didn't fit their notion of, of what Israel's savior would be like. You know, they, they thought Jesus and certainly any Messiah would, would, would side with us. You know. But Jesus doesn't cater to them, the religious leaders. He doesn't affirm them. In fact, he insults them. And uh, he goes against all their rules. They think he's breaking the Sabbath because he doesn't keep their rules. Now understand, these religious leaders, uh, these, these guys were fastidious about reading God's word, praying, tithing, doing good works. These were the good guys. And that's the problem. They knew they were good, and they didn't need a savior from their sins. They failed to see the bigger picture that God had sent his son, his savior, in order to save the world that was lost in sin. And so they rejected God's Savior, and Jesus responds with weeping. If I'm using Jesus to get my agenda accomplished, or I'm performing, trying to maybe build my resume of good works to earn God's favor, but there's no faith in it. There's not this dependence on Jesus and his work to rescue me from my sin then I will only come to know the tears of God over my life and not the peace and joy of the Lord in my life. You know, God's work in the world then and now, is, is, it's the same. It's to restore us to relationship with himself through his son, Jesus. Hebrews chapter 1 speaks of how in former times God spoke to us in, very, in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. And literally, it is, he has spoken to us in son. 
In other words, it's son language. The, the, only, the only language that the Father is speaking to the world right now is son, Jesus Christ, my son. As we're trying to make sense of all this coronavirus and what is it is unleashed in our world, our sovereign God is at work with this one purpose, that we would hear his son, Jesus Christ, and so come to peace with God through him, through Jesus. Are we listening or are we missing our opportunity? A number of years ago, Portia and I were touring St. Paul's Cathedral in London, and uh, we were doing so with one of those handheld devices, uh, you know, audio devices where you stand in front of something and, and it syncs and tells you what, about what you're looking at. Well, we were standing in front of Holman Hunt's painting, Jesus, the Light of the World. Now, there's a lot of Sunday school cheesy knockoffs of this, but this is not the cheesy painting. Uh, this is a, a masterpiece. It's beautiful. It's this large, dark painting, and yet Jesus is the central figure, and he's full of light. He wears a crown of thorns on his head. Vines and thorns grow up against this closed door, and thus to enter it, Jesus has to pass through the curse of sin. Now, he's holding a lantern, knocking on the door, and that lantern that he holds uh, it's, uh, it has images of stars and moons. See, Jesus is Lord of the universe. At his feet, there's, there's fruit, <laughs> the promise of abundant life. And there he is knocking. Well, the audio uh, recording of, you know, describing this painting said nothing of what I have just said. Nothing. Instead, it just it droned on with this general information um, and, and then ended with this politically uh, correct interpretation, just trotted it out that, you know, the lantern that Jesus holds is representing light from all the faiths of the world. And Jesus weeps because we don't know what makes for peace. That it's him, knowing him. Now perhaps it's too easy to pick on religious leaders and famous cathedrals that have missed their opportunity with Jesus by focusing on political correctness, but what about you and me? How often has the Lord walked among us, spoken to us in his word, or a sermon, or, or a Bible study about a particular behavior or attitude in us, and, and thus our need for Jesus in the gospel. And we turn to deaf ear. How many times has the Lord sent a righteous servant, maybe to cut us off as we were plunging headlong in some foolish endeavor, some sinful uh, activity, and, and, and the Lord sent somebody to encourage us in Christ but instead of humbling ourselves, repenting and looking to Jesus, we got defensive and bitter. And Jesus weeps when we fail to understand what makes for peace. Well, let's switch gears here in this sermon. I mean, what does make for peace? How do, how do we seize our opportunity? 
Instead of missing an opportunity, how do we seize our opportunity and thus find peace, and especially in these times? Well, Jesus' entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday uh, suggests three things for seizing uh, our opportunity with the Lord. Um, and the first is to let Jesus clean house. Upon entering the city of Jerusalem, Jesus makes his way to the temple, uh, verse 45, and he proceeds to drive out those who are selling animals. And there were also money changers in there, uh, but it, it had become a marketplace. Well, if we would know peace, then we must first submit to Jesus' house cleaning. Let him rearrange the furniture of our lives. This, this coronavirus has rearranged everything in our world. But do not miss the bigger picture here. God is sovereign. He is not cowering in some corner of the universe wondering, what am I going to do with this coronavirus you know, you know, off the leash? Our God is Lord, and he is Lord of the house. He is Lord of your house and my house, his house called the church and this world house. And he has effectively shaken everything in the house. Hebrews 12 speaks about how God will one day shake not only the earth, but the heavens in order to remove what can be shaken, that is, created things. Therefore, Hebrews 12, 28, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Hebrews 12 tells us the very thing that Jesus shows us in the temple. And it is this, that we are in a worship war. Jesus clears everything out of the way that is hindering the worship of God, of people who know their need of God and his grace and his love from actually encountering him in his temple. Jesus instigates a worship war showing us that God will come against whatever keeps his people from knowing his love and grace, from seeking him and finding him. And perhaps what we're looking at with this coronavirus is that God is shaking things up and it is a worship war where we have embraced as our saving gods sports, job, health, freedom, material wealth, good things but that have been made ultimate, God has shaken it all down. Well, what's he after? You and me. That we might seek him and find him. And so in Jesus, come to know true peace. And so will we let Jesus clean house? and remove or shake down whatever is hindering our relationship with God. Attitudes, habits, sins, thought patterns that are not in line with his kingdom. False notions that you know, we're on our own. Or time is ours. Or we're in control. Or perhaps there's an area of your life where there is just deep disappointment because God hasn't come through and maybe you've taken offense at God himself. Are you willing to let Jesus into that, into clean house? Do so without fear. Jesus is not a homewrecker. 
Trust him. Trust, trust his tears. We have a God who loves us enough to weep over us. Trust his aim. It is only love. Well, besides letting Jesus clean house, if, if we would uh, seize our opportunity to really know God and, uh, and have his peace in our life through Jesus Christ, then, then we also need to weep the tears of Christ, as it were. We need his tears. The tears of Jesus are the tears of God, which are the tears of love. See, God loves this lost world it breaks his heart. His beloved creation has rebelled against him and is separated from him. Does that break our hearts? My sister Susan lives in Aspen, Colorado, and she, uh, she was diagnosed uh, with this coronavirus and was very ill for three weeks. She is better today. And we praise God for that. But we were asking her, how did... Susan, how did you get this coronavirus? And um, she helps manage properties. And uh, one of the property owners um, invited her to come to a party for Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, okay, at least she has a cool story of how she got the coronavirus. You know, but, but she was invited to come to this party for Shaquille O'Neal, Shaq. Uh, 300 people at the, the Little Nell uh, resort there in Aspen. And Susan was was acting as a bouncer at this party. Now, my sister is a small person, but she has a very large personality persona. <laughs> she can bounce anybody from her room. Um, and she was there to keep the riffraff out. Well, she was intermingling, talking with folks, and there was a group that had come from Australia, and a number of them, in the next few days after the party, uh, uh, manifested the symptoms of the coronavirus, and my sister as well uh, then got it. Well, she, she emailed me a week and a half ago, and she said that at one point with a 104 fever, totally dehydrated, barely able to stand to, to get to, to the bathroom, she was lying in bed thinking, I am going to die. This is it. And she began kind of composing uh, her obituary when suddenly her heart grabbed her with a love for people around her who were lost, who didn't know the love of Jesus. And she said, I wanted to live, if for only this, that I could be more bold in telling family and clients about Jesus. Well, what was that on a deathbed? which thankfully did not turn into a deathbed. But what was that? That was my sister experiencing the tears of Jesus, the love of God for those who don't know him. Church, ask for this. Our God loves this world. Ask for his heart, for his tears that would lead us to loving witness and service to the world around us. Well, to seize this opportunity before us, we... Uh, to, to know God and to have the peace of God in our life through Christ. We must let Jesus clean house. We must uh, let him remove what hinders our, our worship of the Lord. We must weep his tears for those who don't get it about him. But finally, we must also 
uh, ride the donkey. Uh, Jesus riding this donkey was a deliberate grab uh, and claim of, of being king, but a king like no other. Zechariah 9 says, Behold, your king comes to you righteous and having salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey. You know, the kings of this world, they are not humble. <laughs> you know, they, they don't, in, in saving their people, they, they don't humble themselves by dying for them. Instead, they command their army to get out in the field and kill the enemy. But Jesus, instead of sending in the troops, he humbles himself. And not just on a donkey, but on a cross where he then dies for his enemies. We have a humble God. And it's this humility, perhaps us looking foolish like riding a donkey, which is just in another way of, of, of describing, pick up your cross and follow me. But it's as we move into that place of looking foolish as we seek to love others and serve others, this is how God advances his kingdom now. At prayer meeting the other night, uh, we were uh, praying about being bold uh, with the gospel during these times, and, and one of the women said that while she was standing in the Black Mountain post office, God began stirring her heart uh, with bold witness. Now she was the only one in the post office at this time uh, and there she was with the postmistress, uh, the one from New England. If you've ever been in the Black Mountain Post Office, you know who I'm talking about. And, and here this woman felt moved by the Lord to bless this woman. And so she just, I think she must have raised her hand, called her by name. She said, I bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I bless you in Christ with health. I bless you with safety. I bless you in Christ and those you work with with the peace of the Lord. And she reported that the postmistress just stood there wide-eyed, stunned, speechless. <laughs> and then she relaxed, and she said, thank you. We need blessing in this place. Well, this woman, woman left uh, the post office and went to Ingalls. <laughs> and when she checked out, did the same thing with the cashier. The Lord just moved in her heart, and she said, I bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Bless that cashier right there. And she, too, was so grateful. Is there somebody that God is maybe bringing to mind right now that he wants to move toward, and he wants you to move toward them? God wants to do a work through you in their life. And maybe it, it looks like getting on a donkey. Kind of a dumb looking thing in a way. To love that person, to serve that person, maybe call them up. Maybe it's going to be an awkward kind of conversation. Maybe the Lord's calling you to pray for somebody, write somebody, bless somebody in the name of the Lord. Are you willing to move with God? as he seeks to serve this person through you. Please understand, this is how God advances his kingdom in the world today. It is through humble servants. 
When Jesus was being praised by the crowds, the religious leaders told him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And Jesus answered, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Now what Jesus was alluding to here was how throughout the scriptures, God, God often calls on nature to serve as a witness to the truth of who he is and what he has done. And so, you know, we, we read things like in Deuteronomy chapter 4, 26, that if Israel rebels against God, uh, goes and worships uh, other, other gods, I call on heaven and earth to witness against you. So if Jesus silenced his followers, the rocks would start testifying against the atrocity of failing to give honor to the king of kings who has come into our world to save us. When the earth starts talking, it is telling us that something is amiss. Be it earthquakes, hurricanes, or viruses, the earth is groaning in testimony against us. That we as a world have turned our back on the one true God. We are in the middle of a worship war and the earth is testifying to it that God is Lord. Will we wake up and turn to the living God for peace, salvation, for life? I mean, that's really the opportunity that this coronavirus is sounding the alarm about. God has stopped us in our tracks, but he is present and he is working for our good, for our salvation. My brothers and sisters in Christ, you see the bigger picture. You see that our God is present and he is on the move with salvation in Jesus Christ. And he's calling us to come join him, to ride the donkey, as it were, to move in love and humility toward others in order to advance the name and grace, and salvation of Jesus Christ in others' lives. Let's go there with him and not miss our opportunity. Amen. Let's pray. Oh God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have not abandoned this world, but you are working in it. And Lord, we are so deaf and blind that, Lord, you have to shake things up and shake us up in order to get our attention at times. Oh, Lord, would you give us eyes to see, unstop our ears that we could hear as you are speaking son language of Jesus Christ. And Father, if there's anybody who's listening to this, watching, joining in in this worship service who does not know Jesus, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, call them out. Call them to your Son. Give them ears to hear that they may confess the name of the Lord. Father, thank you that you do love us. Thank you for those tears of Jesus that remind us of your very heart that you would give yourself, your son, in death on the cross in order to restore us to relationship with you. There is no God like you, O oh Lord, so gracious, so kind, so loving. 
We bless you, O Father. We bless you, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And pray that, Lord, you would move in us now. That, Lord, we would move toward our neighbors and toward those in need around us with the love and the blessing of Jesus Christ, that very love and blessing with which we have been blessed ourselves. And would you, O Lord, put Christ on display through your church wherever she is scattered among the nations. And Lord, give a watching world the eyes to see Christ among them and to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the blessing and the love of God through Christ our Lord, in whose name we pray, amen.